When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple Podcast. Today, Chris and I are just going to have a conversation about how traveling helps your marriage grow. Yes. And if you've been following us on Instagram, you've known a little bit about our travels. We didn't share a whole lot because we're going to share that in this episode. And we will also share some photos on Instagram when we air the episode. Well, we didn't share a lot because it was crazy. Yeah, it was. It was constant. Um, lots of scheduled constant, but also lots of unexpected constant. Yes. Yes. Our traveling. Well, I think we had eight legs of the journey, uh, you know, flights and seven were canceled or delayed or or delayed, (laughs) which, oh my word, so many problems, Uh, but we made it and uh, And it was incredible. Had an amazing time. So we're going to share with you about our travels, where we went and why, but three things that we're going to do today. The first thing is we're going to talk about how learning and serving helps you stay married. We're going to share some of the research with you there as well. Number two, we are going to give you a summary of our own insights of, uh, since we've been traveling the last few weeks and, um, kind of just share also like how it went and some specifics of where we went. Yeah. So this is just going to be a conversation. Yeah. And then number three, we're going to talk about how to make this happen in your own marriage. We're going to get practical about some tips and tricks for um, making sure that you guys, if you want to, uh, make traveling a priority if you're inspired after this episode. Right. So number one, how learning and serving helps you stay married. How does it help you stay married, babe? (laughs) Well, I mean, we've been married for 13 years and we've been traveling since year three. So I think it's really helped our marriage and helped us um, connect and grow. But we'll give you a little bit of the research. 94% of couples who traveled together said that they felt closer as a result of their traveling. Mm -hmm. And then 72% said their travels inspired romance. Hey, hey. (laughs) I'm down for that. (laughs) Definitely down for the next one too. Oh yeah, the next one. 77% said that... 77% of couples who travel together regularly have a good sex life. Now, this one's not a a causal factor, but it's certainly correlated. Yeah, correlation. Yeah, so so it's not like, oh, traveling's going to make you have a good sex life. But couples who are traveling together, 77% of them have a good sex life. Mm -hmm. That's far above uh, the typical numbers that we would get. Right. Right. I think there's so so much here. And this, of, of course, just us conversating and off the top of our head, but something that I would probably submit would be um, novelty is such an important aspect of marriage. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to stay kind of um, in this, I don't know, merry-go-round of normality with everything just looking the same and you're just kind of on that hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, and what traveling does is it gets you out of your box, yep. pushes you outside of your comfort zone, and uh, really challenges you. Mm-hmm. And you, what happens is you experience high highs and low lows. Right. Um, yeah. And 
it's and that's good. Like you, yeah, you want uh, a baseline without lots of waves, you know, lots. Of, but that also can get boring if it's the same thing over and over and over. Exactly, and it's really neat. You get to see each other at your best. You get to see each other at and your worst. Your worst. <laughs> And that's novelty, right? Um, and you get to work as a team through the best and the worst of times. So yes, traveling obviously has its highlights and it's the best of times. But when things don't go as planned, you really see each other at your worst. Yeah. And what's really awesome too is you get to see your spouse in a different light. You know, I think it was Esther Perel said, you know, your spouse is the most attractive to you or desires at its highest when you get to see your spouse in a different limelight like yeah when they're shining when, when they're shining you see them through a new lens right so when you're out of your comfort zone and you're standing in uh the square next to the pantheon and you're looking at the beauty of what has been created and you're also looking at the beauty of your wife there is something that happens it's just like mm. wow it's it's wonderful to um to experience that. And then an artist from dinner the night before walks up with your art piece to sell to you. Uh-huh. And you get to just experience like the the quintessential moment of <laughs> the Italian artist that Italian doesn't artist. speak a lick of English. Yeah. That, yeah. We're doing Google Translate the whole time. Yeah. That was so fun. So just kind of some reflections on why maybe it works that way, why yeah. these stats make sense. Totally. Okay. So we're going to move on to number two. We, we said we're sharing three things with you. The first was how learning and serving helps you stay married. We shared that. The number two thing is a summary of our own insights while traveling over the last few weeks. So let's yes. start off with uh, where we went and why. Well, one of the first insights would be um, make sure that you have enough layover time to make all your connecting flights. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Oh, that's how our trip started off. So yeah, it was it was rough. We actually missed the last flight, and then in Rome they told us, "I'm sorry, but the um, the airline is striking tomorrow, and this is the last flight, and it's completely full. So you can't get to Sicily. I'm sorry, and you can't get to Sicily tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So maybe the next day." And we're like that's not going to work because we have a marriage seminar in Sicily and we're speaking. Exactly. So that's why we went to Sicily. Um, so we've been focused on missions for marriage retreats over the last couple of years. We promised the Lord at a mission service several years back that we would give a certain percentage of anything that came in through Dear and Mary Couple. This was before Dear and Mary Couple was yeah. ever a thing. It was nothing. And we said, Lord, you bless us. We're going to totally just give back. And um, this was like above tithes and offerings, but it was just something that we said, we have a heart for missions. We want to give back to missions. And so we have committed this percentage. And so like we did Mexico last year mm -hmm. and this year, uh, well, we were going to do Sicily last year as well, but because mm -hmm. of COVID um, it was this year. And um, so we were going to do a missions for marriage retreat. So it was um, very heartbreaking to get there and realize that um, we didn't have a way to get into Sicily before the marriage retreat, yeah. at least via flight. Hey, we will be right back to our story about our travels, but I wanted to share one of my favorite brands with all the mamas out there. Um, when I was pregnant and postpartum with my two kiddos, I loved Kindred Bravely. 
And so when they recently reached out about sharing some of their clothing items, I was like, oh yeah, for sure. You guys, they sent me a black midi skirt that I have not gotten out of in the last couple of days along with their Chloe chunky cardigan sweater. And it is so, so comfy. Um, they're super nursing friendly and pregnant friendly. Um, you can wear their clothes while you are pregnant and nursing, but also after. So like it's been two and a half years since I've had a baby, but I have been wearing their clothes. And I also have some fun things that I'm looking forward to gifting to some of the mamas that I wore when um, I was pregnant and nursing. And um, one of them was the bamboo lounge dress. You guys, by far my favorite. I can't wait to gift that to a new mama. And um, I would recommend them. They are an awesome company that actually employs um, several uh, work at home moms. Uh, I think like more than two dozen and um, their mission and values um, shine through in the work that they do. So if you want to grab a Kindred Bravely um, piece of clothing, I would recommend them by far my favorite pregnant nursing clothing. Um, and even after that, um, so you can go to kindredbravely.com and you can also get 20% off your purchase if you use the code DYMC20, DYMC20 and some exclusions apply. All right, back to our stories of our travels. And really I have been pushing like, babe, we're going to do it. We're going to make it super optimistic until the last lady told us at the gate, I'm sorry, the, the flight is full. You can't make it. Yep. And I was so sad. And then Chris is like, we got to make it. <laughs> well, and mind you, this was after I think four flights at this point and every single one of them being delayed. Yeah. Um, and so therefore missing the connecting flights, every single connecting Running flight. Running low on sleep. <laughs> yeah. We hadn't slept in 24 hours. Uh, it was, it was quite the deal. So Chris is like, well, what about a train? So we looked up we went to <laughs> Termini Station and uh, got on the train. Yeah. And it took an 11 hour overnight uh, train, train ride. ride. <laughs> Thank God it had beds. That was kind of a. So, like, when we say best of times, worst of times, worst of times in the airport, but best of times when we're like, this train has beds. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> we're so stinking tired. So, uh. and we got to experience a really awesome train ride that we'd mm. never done before and then we wake up and we see the ocean in the morning on the left side of our yes. you know out out of our windows and yeah it's really amazing well and we didn't even know because we were so out um when we were sleeping but apparently to get from the bottom of the boot in italy into sicily the train had to actually disconnect onto a a ferry, ferry and yeah. then ferry across into the island. So we didn't even, we weren't awake for that, but it was pretty cool knowing that that happened while we were sleeping. <laughs> we were sleeping. <laughs> but it was, it was really an amazing uh, trip and seminar. It was really awesome connecting to these people that didn't speak our language. Yep. Maybe there was only a a handful of people that said could say anything really I think in English. two couples that we yeah. could really communicate with in English but yeah. they were so thankful and just seeing the tears at the seminar and the mm -hmm. uh, just 
yeah, the experience of working with people and it's out of outside of our comfort zone. Yeah, totally. Like even some, like Adam tends to tell a lot of jokes at our retreats and seminars <laughs> and he would tell a joke and then the translator would be it like, doesn't work. how can I translate this? And he's like, it, it's a what? The what? <laughs> and so Adam had to like rephrase it to where it wasn't even funny anymore. Like yeah. it was just, it's quite the experience to do this. Um, and then an interesting piece is, you know, in, in Italy, um, they, you know, Italian is very close to Spanish in terms of like the, the language similarities. And so a lot of them could understand Spanish. And since we know some Spanish, sometimes we would speak in Spanish or like a slide that we had before was in Spanish um, and they would understand it. And then even like our Fundamentos card deck, um, the foundations card deck in Spanish, we were able to gift that to them. And most of the couples, um, except for the ones that preferred English, we gave them English. But most of the Italian couples actually used the Fundamentos deck and said that it was helpful for their marriage. Yeah. So that was really neat to be able to like just things we would have never known, you know, if we yeah. weren't uh, connecting with them in this way. Yeah. And what's so special about doing missions too? And if you're listening and never done a mission trip, I would totally recommend you to get outside the country. It just makes mm -hmm. you so thankful. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm talking to you and you're in the U S yeah. but if you're not in the U S go somewhere else that, that, you know, there's always something that you can give. Well, and there are always people in need, yep. right? Like this is a church that we, we just love the pastor of this church. Uh, we met him in Norway. Yeah. We were <laughs> teaching a Hope Corps class in Norway. He was one of the students and, um, he and his wife have been pastoring this church now for five years or oh, over that. I think it's like 10, 10 years. Okay. And they have done an incredible work. Even through the pandemic, they have been equipping these couples and, um, they likely would not have been able to host this event and have us out and all the, you know, expenses we brought our kiddos. And so to be able to, you know, commit this to the Lord and to know like this is committed. This is mm -hmm. not something that we even have to like think about, you know, we're just spending on it because this is committed to missions already. Yeah, It's such a rewarding that thing. That actually is just a tip I'd give to people mm -hmm. because, you know, it, it could be difficult to give to missions or unless maybe there's a big like push for giving to missions, but there's something extra when you have a fund that must be given. Yeah. It's really fun and freeing totally. that you, you look for excuses to give and you have to, right. And you always have it. Mm -hmm. So it's allocated to missions. So whenever you get a chance, you can do that. It's, exactly. it's really amazing. So totally, totally encourage couples set aside money over your tithes and offerings mm -hmm. to, to give. Yes. So we, um, got there the day of, so that was on day three of traveling. We left on Wednesday, traveled all day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we got into Sicily via train and, um, we were able to, um, get like maybe an hour nap <laughs> at, um, the pastor's mother-in-law's home. She's so precious. Bless her heart. We couldn't speak any English to her either. So we were speaking <laughs> in Spanish and she understood a percentage of that and Google translate and Google translate. Um, and then headed did you know, out. Did you know if you write in Google translate the app and then you hold it sideways, it yes. gets big. We found letter, that out. <laughs> the words, you could see them easily. Yeah. So you just turn it sideways Tip. and it's like a, 
like a little like slide that, you know, you can ask the question, but, um, she was so amazing. She made us pasta with eggplant since we were vegetarian and it was so good. Um, we went and did the marriage retreat in a town outside of Catania, Sicily. Um, such a quaint little place. Yeah. I forgot what it was called though. Uh, Milo. Milo. Yeah. It was crazy too because, um, on Sicily or near Milo, they, there's a massive volcano that's mm-hmm. active and uh, they say you could actually see the the red you know the lava coming out at times mm-hmm. well there had just been i guess it recently it had been exploding for like four months and and so like when you walk out it looks like in milo that there is like uh like rock rock it's but mm-hmm. like okay, like so gravel like, right so <laughs> the the dust is actually black yeah so when you go onto the premises where we had the retreat, it looks like it was landscaped like black rock, but all of that black rock actually just came from ash. The, yeah, it's yeah. like the ash. It's it's really amazing. It was really amazing place. So we had the retreat there Friday night and Saturday. Oh, these couples were so incredible. We could go on and on about each couple, but it was neat. We got to connect with them and eat with them. By the way, in Italy. They don't do their dinners before the retreat. That's how we do it in the States, right? We yeah. we, kinda, we meet at like six or seven uh, for dinner. And then after that, we go into the seminar. Nope. Well, they do the seminar first and then you eat super late. <laughs> That's the culture there. Yeah. You eat at like 8.30, 9, <laughs> maybe later. And then you have dessert after that. I don't know how they stay fit because most of them were yeah. quite fit, but lots of pizza and pasta. And, uh, just really neat people, very loud and, uh, like vibrant, um, dinners. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And also if you're a coffee snob for all you coffee people out there that <laughs> are used to a certain type of coffee, <laughs> take your grinder and your AeroPress and make coffee. Oh yeah. Cause all there is, is Nestle. Nestle instant coffee is their uh, Americano. Unless you're all about cappuccinos. If you're all about cappuccinos, you will find so- plenty. They're, they're everywhere. Yeah. But their black coffee is Nestle. Yeah. Uh, your American coffee is non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we were able to go from there into um, back to Catania and got to do their Sunday services with them. My parents got to go with us, which was such a blessing. They do children's ministry and Bible quizzing. And so they did a children's church with the kids and did a Bible quizzing, um, you know, uh, not a meet, but a Bible quiz, like a quiz with them, mm-hmm. uh, with translation by Davide, who did an incredible job. And, um, we got to do, um, a family service. Adam preached on Sunday night along with, we got a surprise from Dr. Johnny King and Nan, who we claim as family, but they're not really our blood family. And they surprised um, everyone there and showed up and stayed there for a few days to from serve. Canada. Yeah, they're from Canada. So that was pretty special to get to see Italy, to see Sicily with them. Yeah, yeah. it really was. It's really good to see them. And, um, Soon after that, we traveled back to Rome to be there for a few days. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just special. Like if you've never been to Rome, Roma, (laughs) you need to go. Yeah. Probably our favorite city in the whole world. Yeah. One of the, totally one of my favorite cities. Uh, Just so much history. It's, it's kind of weird. You know, like we think some of the stuff in U S is old, right? Like (laughs) 
you know, that's an old house. A couple hundred or, years old. But, oh my word, you're, you're driving past, you know, walls from the Byzantine area era and uh-huh. then the Roman era. Like yep. it's, it's just incredible to see. And it's all throughout so the much city. History. It's yeah. not like out in the boondocks or in the country. Like you just see, like we we got out at Coliseo stop on the train mm-hmm. or the subway. We walk walk up, and I'm like, okay, which direction do we go? And Adam, I'm like looking down at the map, and Adam's like, look up, and I look up, <laughs> and the Coliseum is like there. giant, just right in our face. I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so breath. Cool. It's breathtaking. Yes. It just it just is amazing. So one little tip, you guys, um, if you are flying into a city to actually tour that day and like do activities that day, don't take a super early morning flight and then go straight into touring. We did that. And, you know, we were packing up all our stuff in Sicily, took a flight into Rome like what was it 5 30 a.m or something with the kids and my parents by the way we could not have done this without my parents no they were amazing thank you so much (laughs) and we'll talk more about that when we talk about how to make this happen for your own marriage but um you know when we um got into rome we were just exhausted the kids were exhausted my parents were exhausted thankfully we found a little brunch place where we could relax for a little bit before checking into the airbnb but we had the vatican tour that afternoon and we were all just so spent yeah we we really were it was so funny too like the brunch place was at like heaven on earth yes i remember we were just kind of like wandering around looking for something to eat that we really wanted yeah like a breakfast place because we were kind of tired of the same kind of breakfast uh-huh so um i remember uh, chris is like i'm gonna go ask this you know this uh the bellhop outside mm-hmm. this hotel and uh she's like where's a good breakfast place and he's like madame inside it's really good and he's like it's a five-star hotel we're, we're like, like oh, oh okay, okay. <laughs> so we went in oh my word it was like yeah super and totally super posh reasonable breakfast yeah. prices too that's something we found throughout rome and in turkey when we went there which we'll talk about next but um like yeah. reasonable rates for all the food yep Super reasonable. It really was. Yeah. So yeah, had brunch, went to the Vatican. The kids were exhausted. They fell asleep. We couldn't take the stroller in. Um, I think this is the long, the long podcast, huh? I know, right? We're what, 19 minutes in? Um, But the, yeah, the kids were, um, they had fun in the courtyard. They ran around, took some really beautiful pictures of the kids with like St. Peter's Basilica in the background. But when it was like, when we were going through the art and the Sistine Chapel, which was stunning. Well, okay. So inside the, well, inside the, the Vatican, um, there's like a square where all these like ancient, like, oh yeah, yeah. Michelangelo did this. And, you know, (laughs) they're just, you know, telling all these like amazing artifacts and, Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Right. And so in this beautiful, you know, just pristine place, this like ancient water feature, Forrest pees his pants. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, daddy, hold me. I'm like, oh, no, son, we're not holding you. Oh. Like you just peed your pants. And, and he's the- been like super potty trained, right. like doing super well. And there is nowhere to take him. Like, and so he's like climbing up with his potty pants on, <laughs> on, on this like fountain, like this ancient oh. thing. Right. And he's like looking for change at the bottom and, and like, you know, <laughs> these uh, guards are like coming over and like telling me to get them off. And I'm like, Oh my God, Jesus, please. Yeah. So that day was hard. And I would say like 
the flight, if it, if we took a later flight, it would have made all the difference, you know? So, or just like not planning to do any actual touristy stuff the day that you fly in. So little tip there, mm-hmm. but it was still beautiful. The next day was much better. We got to do the Coliseum with the kids, the Roman Forum, Spanish Steps and Trevi Fountain. Yeah. Um, we even did a little boat ride, like rowboats in a park and everyone had so much fun. The kids did amazing. That, yeah. That was a really cool, like, um, I forgot what park it is, but it's really beautiful. This little, like you could rowboat in, in this like lake and mm-hmm. there's like this, pristine temple on the island in the lake to like an ancient artemis Ro- is artemis. It artemis yeah or no no no. that was that's the goddess diana it was uh asclepios asclepios you're right. yeah the the roman god of medicine um so it was kind of cool to see that like ancient artifact there in the water yeah the kids loved that they did so well that day and um we just had a good time with them yeah. with my parents and like making memories mm-hmm. um and so and this was all like the non-missions part this was personal fund this by the way fun. <laughs> yeah and um so then after that the next day we sent uh the kids back home with my parents we did an airbnb yep and right underneath our airbnb which is was really close to the trevi fountain um this this Italian guy was like, come in, come in. He, he already <laughs> see us. He's like, Hey, I have a seat for you. Sat us down, fed <laughs> us. So good. Such good pasta. Yeah. I don't like, <laughs> I was not sad about the food. No. In Rome. No, it was not so at all. good. It was so, so, so good. Yes. And one thing I like that I just didn't really realize is I really like sparkling water oh, or yeah. sparkling mineral water that everybody has it it's yeah. everywhere so you sit down you ask for water and they're like still Spark- or yeah. sparkling yep. yeah super good so we had lots of fun meals uh that was one of the highlight meals for sure my dad Just because we were so tired <laughs> i know my dad my dad bought us a rose my my mom super my sweet daughter and i it was really yeah. sweet and then um yeah, the next day, got the kids and my parents to the train station to get back to the airport. And I learned another lesson. Yes. I'll <laughs> let you tell this. So Adam was really insistent on like, let's get them out, you know, off. We had to do all of our COVID tests. and She calls me anal. And um, we didn't realize till the night before that the e-med COVID test that worked for all of us, including Adeline, didn't work for Forrest because he's not four yet. And it only works for four and up. So we had to get in the Red Cross line. Well, as we were in line, we realized that there was a kid's... This hour and a half long line. Oh, yeah. It was not moving and it was long. So we realized there was a kid's line. And so we could take Forrest in that line. So he got to go and do his COVID test through that line, uh, which was really short. And we waited the 20 minutes to get the result. And that worked to get Forrest's COVID test. And everyone else used the e-med at-home tests. And I was sad that, you know, we were going to be leaving them, even though I was looking forward to being with Adam and doing our our solo date. um, Because we'll talk more about our balance approach there. But... Um, I was emotional and I took a bit more time with the kids and bre- at breakfast that morning and Adam was kind of, in my words earlier, anal mm-hmm. about getting them to the airport. And I was like, look how much time they have. They're not checking luggage. They're already checked in online. Like they're just going to go straight to security. They'll be fine. And they did. They got there like 45 minutes before um, the flight left. They got to the gate 45 minutes and they closed the flight down and hour before takeoff even though the plane was right there and they were there 45 minutes before yeah they closed it 
So I learned my lesson mm-hmm. that I can't stall on international flights. They're going to close the gate for some international flights, not all, but they're going to close it an hour, hour before. Yeah. So that yeah. was a sad and we were, deal. We were going to try to get there or even earlier, but in the train station, I was pushing like, let's, let's first make sure we can get the train, mm-hmm. um, you know, get the soonest train and you just make, and, and then as we're waiting for the train, we can eat. And that didn't happen. <laughs> so I, just for travel, it's best to know for sure yeah. when things are going to happen because when it's in a different language, yes. everything takes longer. That I think that's the big one of the biggest lessons yes. about travel is everything takes longer than you think. So I learned a lesson and I had to take influence that day for sure. After I was super emotional about leaving the kids, I had to also be super emotional about the fact that Adam was right and that <laughs> we um, needed to have gotten to the train station and them to the airport earlier. So, but the good news is we got them on a different plane and uh-huh. they uh, stayed the night in New York City, which was great. <laughs> I don't know how great it was for my parents who were jet lagged. And, and then the, but they did get home. So yes, thankful for that. So they got home. They were they were gone with us for a week, and then we stayed in Rome another day um, and got to bike the Appian Way together. Where Paul walked mm-hmm. on his journey to Rome. Yes, which was so cool. Super cool. I never knew how cool electric mountain bikes are until mm-hmm. I actually did it. Yeah, it was so much fun. <laughs> like we neat. did thirteen miles on. Um, off pavement well okay so on cobblestones yeah. but also on trails um looking yeah. at the history looking at the ancient aqueducts way out in the country so we got to see the roman um countryside mm-hmm. uh, such a cool experience and it was really cool like we stopped to get coffee at this little like way station on the way or mm-hmm. little town um and went in and it was the all these old guys playing cards and playing bocce <laughs> And just like super classic. It like, was neat. Yeah. Stuff you wouldn't see if you were just touring without like the local um, yeah. aspect. So that was special. And then Adam planned a really special date for us. Mm-hmm. And um, we got to go to this little restaurant in like a really uns- uh, unassuming place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was super late at night too. I was like, babe, why is our date so late? Like it was, I think it started at 9 PM and our reservations were like 8 30 PM. Yeah. And I didn't know, but it was cause uh, there was a live jazz band there and they were so good. And they, I dig jazz. they invited Adam to come up and play when I told them that he played piano, they asked if we played instruments and I was like, yeah, Adam plays piano. And they invited him to come up and play and he would not play No, because these guys are incredible. And, and I so are you, babe. Uh, I haven't practiced as much as I probably you should. You dig jazz. You could have played some jazz with them, but he didn't do it. Um, but it was really neat. We didn't know. This... I wasn't in performance, but I was in chill mode. Yeah, that's true. So this Italian um, artist was sitting behind us and painted us from behind as we watched the jazz um band and we didn't even know so it was really cool but you know of course he wanted to sell it to us and we gladly you know we wanted to buy it but we didn't have any cash Cash. with us and he didn't take card so he met us at the pantheon the next morning before we flew out to go to turkey and um, we paid him then so we got a cool little picture that we'll post on instagram (laughs) with him and that was a that was a special moment yeah it was a lot of fun yes thanks for planning that date babe yeah you're welcome (laughs) it's fun it was it's always, uh, I've learned that Carissa 
likes to be surprised by a date and wants mm -hmm. me to plan it and put effort into it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm normally like go with the flow and like, hey, well, what do you want to do? And she doesn't like that. I so like him to plan it. I'm learning. And he did it and it was super <laughs> special. <laughs> so then um, we traveled. I, I hope we're not like just mumbling for you guys or like just rambling. I hope you guys... I know. Hopefully you're engaged, yeah. but we had lots of people you say know, like, turn you it off if you're not engaged. Okay. Right. Yeah. We had people say like, you haven't told us about your trip. Like, you know, you didn't post <laughs> much. So here we are telling we are. you about our trip. This is it. Yeah. So then we flew to Turkey, Istanbul. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was awesome. We got there late that night and had somebody pick us up. We <laughs> don't know any Turkish at all. <laughs> like zero. And, uh, they, we know how to say thank you. Tesiku Adedam. Tesiku Adedam. Tesiku Adedam. <laughs> we learned that while we You guys, uh, all you Turkish speaking people can correct us. <laughs> Tell us <laughs> that that's right. Oh. But then uh, we, yeah, we went to the hotel and we're completely surprised that the tour company that booked us, uh, booked us in this like five-star palace on the Bosphorus Strait, yeah. like directly on it. We could see Asia from, we were in Europe, but we could see Asia mm -hmm. from our um, balcony. And it was like mind blowing, like service and stuff. I'm like, wow, I could get used to this five star stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which by, by the way, this was through um, the Premier Bible Lands Tours, um, which is Dr. Johnny King and Judy King. They um, coordinate that. Um, they're out of Calgary and they just did not disappoint whatsoever. They were mm -hmm. incredible from the hospitality and like bookings all the way to their knowledge and teaching. This was a study trip for us of the seven churches of Asia. Yeah. A while um, back we did Israel. Mm -hmm. um, that was, that was uh, a front through your school. Yes. For, for my doctorate, we had to either take a, another course in uh, Missouri or we could go to Israel for a month. Yeah. So <laughs> we chose Israel. So this was like 2015. It was then actually where we decided, you know, when we travel, we really want to learn yeah. It's not just about going to big cities. It seems like you're always going to find Gucci and Chanel and Louis Vuitton and all <laughs> like the, you know, all the stores that everyone recognizes. And then, you know, of course you're, you're Nike and all this other stuff. It's like, it seemed like a lot of, you know, like when you could just travel and, and shop and shop yeah. or eat their food, but we're not into that. Yeah. We're not, it's not <laughs> our thing really. So what we decided is let's go places that we will learn yes. or experience. And, you know, uh, Dr. King, Dr. Johnny King and Judy King, they are um, one of the couples that really helped us with this motive as well. Yeah. Um, we respect and admire their... They travel a lot. Their, yeah. And they travel to learn as well. And so... Or to help. Yeah, to help, to serve others, and to learn. And so that's that's our intention. We learned a lot from them is to to travel in order to serve and to learn. So we um, we were in Istanbul and went to um, the main, well, it was a church, the Basilica. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it called again? Hagia Sophia. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Hagia Sophia. So much history there. Yeah. Um, sobering history about, you know, built mm -hmm. around Constantine's time, I believe. Yeah. It had been standing there for a thousand years and it was, um, it's now a mosque, right? but there were still like Christian frescoes and, um, mm -hmm. you know, that you could see. And it was, it was a really beautiful place. 
Yeah. And when Islam took over, there was a huge slaughter of Christians, mm-hmm. which was really sobering. Yeah. Um, but such a just fascinating, amazing place. Yeah. And then we went to the spice market, mm-hmm. which was out of this world. <laughs> so cool. And we just got to tour the ancient city of Constantinople that day. And um, one of the highlights for me was a museum where we got to see um, like old terracotta ancient literature on terracotta Mm -hmm. and um, we got to see the oldest love poem in existence it was from um, 2000 somewhere around 2037 to 2029 bc and um, we don't know what it says we'll have to we'll have to look it up and get the translation but it was the oldest ancient love poem yeah that was was really neat seeing also what really struck my interest was Um, if you've read books on the old, uh, Babylonian, uh, I don't know the walls, the ancient Babylonian walls and you see those, like the big blue lions that are on like blue tile, Mm -hmm. they actually had those lions displayed and restored on the wall, like the actual things. I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I've seen these in books talking about the Bible, the ancient Babylonian, um, yeah structures and had you had this so i was like wow that that's pretty amazing i've seen this in books it's really weird seeing what you've seen in books mm-hmm. or videos right in front of you totally yeah and then we ended the day by buying a beautiful turkish rug that we will eventually go in the wellness center at the the dear young mary couple retreat center and um it was really special that'll be something that we'll always cherish from our trip yeah it's really amazing we watched um Later on in the, our, our trip, we watched the process of creating a rug. Mm-hmm. So a, a woman would would spend for like what a, a four by six foot rug, mm-hmm. they'll spend on average about ten months to over a year mm-hmm. on that rug. Yeah, and uh, we bought a eight foot by ten foot mm-hmm. rug that was just absolutely beautiful. And it's it's really hard to fathom that a woman probably spent five hours a day yeah. and more than a year yeah working on this rug yeah. it's like sober and like, they oh keep the same person on that rug so yep. it wasn't like a machine or some factory like it was actually a turkish woman that right vegetable dyed yeah uh fabric and yeah. 60 actually 60 years old yeah yeah it's super, super cool super special it's really it was really interesting you know being there watching the craft watching the yeah. art actually take place we actually watched some women actually weaving on a i don't know if they would call it a loom yeah a loom did they call it a loom i think so okay so i know that works for other things but yeah but um yeah that was just super super interesting and watching how silk is harvested from the silkworm Mm -hmm. cocoon and yeah oh my word so many things that we learned but i guess the main thing that we went for was touring the seven churches, which are in Asia. Yes. So actually the next day we, um, we went to ancient Nicaea where, um, we traveled through, um, Bithynia where Paul and Timothy tried to go, but the spirit suffered them not. But the spirit did not suffer us anything. (laughs) So we went, so we went, um, and so we stood on the shore where an underwater basilica was just discovered. Um, like literally in the last couple years, and it's believed to be built on top of the church where the council of Nicaea was held in 325 AD. Yes. So we actually went first to the where the seventh council of Nicaea was held. Mm-hmm. Um, walked through that ancient place. It was mm-hmm. really neat. Um, very it looked like way off the beaten path. I don't yeah. think a lot of people go there because yeah. um, 
the Muslim men were like looking at us like, um, what are all these people doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like walking through our mosque. And then, um, then we walked out to the shore where they told us, actually the tour guys told us they don't know where it is. But, um, one of our peop the people, Jamie, um, <laughs> had a, a drone. And so he flew the drone and found this area where it was very clearly a church, a basilica. A basilica. Yeah. And then we looked it up and they actually had discovered recently discovered this old mm -hmm. church, um, underwater. Yeah. And, and they said, this is where they think the council of Nicaea was held yeah. in 325 underneath that, yeah. that underwater one. And it's, um, they're trying to open actually like an underground, underground, underwater museum. So all you scuba divers out there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we went to ancient Troy that same day and, um, got Which to was see a blast from the past. Yeah. There were nine layers of archeology span there. Um, and although much of the newer layers were destroyed, but, um, there were still like ancient walls and gates and a ramp yeah. theater. Stood next to uh, a wall that was dated back to 3000, I believe, 3000 BC. So crazy. Which is just incredible. Yeah. It was, yeah, really, really So amazing. cool. So then the next day, we began the day in Troas, where Paul had his Macedonian vision. And um, he uh, also had stayed there for seven days when he returned from Macedonia and preached until midnight. People talk about that being his longest sermon yep. when Eutychus fell asleep and fell out the window. Um, and then uh, Paul continued talking until the morning in Acts 20. The so. dangers of preaching a long time. <laughs> and then... Um, Paul preferred to walk from Troas to Assos and, um, it's about a 20 mile trek. And we took the trek by bus, even though Paul preferred to walk, mm -hmm. but you read about that in Acts 20. And so we got to go to Assos and there were pretty impressive remains there that were built on top of an Acropolis overlooking the beautiful Harbor. Yeah, that was absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. We, it was a, a small walk all the way up to, um, this like out overlook mm -hmm. with this beautiful temple. And it actually was said that, um, Aristotle taught there. Yeah. And there was a big, a temple, uh, temple to Athena yeah. at the very top of it. And Paul met his traveling companions there and sailed to, um, Mytilene on an Island across the way that we got to see. Uh, and so that was all in, in Acts 20. Um, mm -hmm. and then he talked to the Ephesians at Miletus in Acts 20 as well. And we'll talk about that at the end of the tour. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we went to Pergamos. Yes. Which I think Pergamos was one of the more sobering places that we went to. Mm -hmm. there w it was very late at night. Um, mm -hmm. Really gorgeous. Just remains as, uh, you know, walking up to the Acropolis yeah. um, on the side, just kind of this insignificant, but very significant site uh, was the, the site of the one of the second largest libraries mm -hmm. in the ancient world, yeah. which, I mean, Aristotle would have been there, I, I would think. And Mark Antony actually gifted that library to Cleopatra. Yeah, actually, we're going to have a um, a whole podcast about the library. Mm -hmm. So be watching for that. We actually got to record in the library, in the library. with a very special guest speaker. So yes. that'll come probably in the next month or so. You'll get to hear that podcast. With an ancient book 
collector. Yes. So you will, that, that will be a, a treat. So at Pergamus, which by the way, this was the first of the seven churches that we got to visit. There was a temple to Zeus, um, where Antipas was likely martyred. And there was, um, the way that they would martyr people here or that people would be killed, especially Christians. Is Sacri- there, they would sacrifice to Zeus, right? It was a brass bull, um, on the temple and they were cooked to death. Um, in the bowl, they would light a uh, fire beneath the bowl and just cook them to death. Right. And they speculate that um, one of the people that, that is mentioned in the Bible, I forgot what is his name? Antipas. Antipas. Yeah. yeah. Was, was um, a faithful servant of God, but mm-hmm. was killed in this way. They would, they put him inside the bowl and was just horrific because um, inside the bowl, they would, uh, there was a, like a chamber that, or I guess a horn, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was the, the screams of the person were amplified yeah. and it sound, it sounded like the bull was animated. Yeah. So the screams of the person would be coming out the mouth of the bull. So just sobering to think that Christians were, you know, sacrificing, literally sacrificing themselves to keep their faith. You know, they weren't, they weren't saying, no, I won't profess Christ. Um, they would claim to be Christian followers of Christ. And, you know, the result of that was death, literally. Right. Yeah. So Pergamus is also the site of the first hospital, um, which is dedicated to the god Asclepios. We mentioned him earlier. Um, and so just some interesting facts. People could be healed if they paid more money or if they had a more curable ailment. And, um, yeah, it's it was interesting. What's too. interesting too, though, they wouldn't. When she says more curable, mm-hmm. they would only accept people that they thought they could help right. or could cure. And they had some ancient medicine, um, but and it was mainly like Roman or uh, you know uh, pagan priests, right? That would they were the doctors, right? And the type of, of treatment you would get was dependent upon how much money you gave them, right. and when you did. When you were healed, quote, quote, healed, they would mark your name on a pillar. Mm-hmm. And actually, you could see that in Revelation where it talks about um, the pillar the pillar that, you know, yeah. when God will write your name. Mm-hmm. So that was a that was a such an interesting place. Also, a little history for you. Um, that temple to Zeus is not not there anymore. There is actually a crop on the very top of the Acropolis, there's a big, huge temple still, mm-hmm. most of it still standing. But the temple to Zeus a little bit farther down the hill is not there anymore because a German archaeologist um, uncovered it and actually took the whole thing back to, um, which is called the seat of Satan, actually, mm-hmm. in, in Re- Revelation, referring to this temple of Zeus. But they took the seat of Satan back to Germany and Hitler um, took his inspiration for his grand stage, the night stage that you can see in, in his propaganda videos. Um, that was actually modeled off the seat of Satan um, that was taken from Pergamus yeah. back uh, before just before World War II. Fascinating, but sickening and sobering. Yeah. Yeah. And then so it shows you that seat, the seat of Satan was still functioning, right? Exactly. The The next day we got to visit four of the seven churches. We got to visit Smyrna, Thyatira, Sardis, and Philadelphia. 
Um, and Smyrna, we started the day there, um, walked through the beautiful Agora where goods were sold. And again, if people professed Christ here, they couldn't be in the guilds, the unions, which means they couldn't work. They couldn't buy, they couldn't sell. And that's why Jesus said that they were poor, but rich in the spirit. And so they were commended in the book of Revelation. Um, Smyrna was commended for holding fast to the truth, even in the face of persecution. Yeah. We better speed up, huh? Yeah. Okay. Thyatira. <laughs> Thyatira. Go ahead, babe. <laughs> okay. So in Thyatira, Thyatira um, there were only some remains from a temple here. Yeah, there wasn't much. Uh, it was Thyatira was a corrupt church because it was influenced by the spirit of Jezebel, uh, which is the spirit of you know corrupt sexuality. And Jezebel called herself a prophetess. Um, but Lydia was from here as well, the seller of purple. Um, and she was likely a very wealthy businesswoman that funded um, Paul's missionary efforts to Europe in Acts 16. Um, Sardis. Mm -hmm. I guess we're just kind of keep on skipping. Okay. Sardis. Sardis was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, there is a massive that it was actually restored Probably not in the best way because uh, it's kind of all like, I guess, good restoration demonstrates what has been like added in mm -hmm. and what has not been added in um, after the fact. Mm -hmm. Like, but Sardis was actually reconstructed in um, almost completion. Yeah. So it's just so stinking grand when you, when you walk up to the bathhouses, to the gymnasium. Yeah. We could see like how big the gymnasium yeah. actually was because how it was reconstructed. Yeah. It like the ruins are impressive, but when you see something restored almost completely, mm -hmm. or at least a part of the building, it's just like how, just how advanced these people were mm -hmm. and just how, uh, and, and when you think, okay, these people were advanced and just how hard it would have been to be, um, to be a Christian in those times yeah. because so much of Roman and Greek, um, so much of their life was wrapped up in idol worship. Mm -hmm. So to be in a guild, to be a seller of purple, to be like, to be a seller of anything, it was very difficult to navigate between being a Christian and mm -hmm. worshiping a God by selling or by yeah. being in a guild. Like it was very wrapped up. So it's when you read the book of revelation and it's talking about, you know, like you've lost your first love mm -hmm. or something like this was a very difficult thing to tread the line between being, um, because there was a lot of consequences totally. to being a Christian and being in that civilization. Yeah. And on the way into the gymnasium at Sardis, we passed by some ancient shops and there was one that had a cross on the basin where they would have dyed the clothing. Um, and Sardis was an alive town, but in Revelation three, you know, um, John, Jesus is talking through John and talks about them being a dead church. Mm. So its name didn't match its behavior. Um, there was a lot of hypocrisy that took place there. And that's exactly what they were rebuked for in Revelation three. Um, and Jesus also told the church at Sardis though, that there were a few faithful folks who had not, uh, I think, quote unquote, not defiled their garments. And he told them that they would be set apart in eternity and walk with him in white. So that, that was kind of a neat, uh, realization to see the context there. 
defile their garment because they were dyeing them? I can't remember. Or were they putting the gold in their threads? All of the above. Yeah, they're putting gold in the threads and they're, yeah, dying. And um, the the idea of walking in white was, you know, that was the sign of purity. purity. Yeah. So um, in Philadelphia, which was the last church that we visited that day, it not, was a, not much there. Yeah, it was like a surprisingly small section of ruins um, in the middle of just a, a kind of like apartments, a poverty stricken, small, modern town. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't been nearly as excavated as the other churches. So there was less to see. Uh, and what there was there, it was mainly from the Byzantine period. And I guess what was interesting about this is they were commended for having little strength. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really interesting. It takes a lot of strength mm -hmm. to, to live in that time just because it was so hard. Like how do you yeah. have a job if you can't sell? Right. You know, how do you, so it would have been a very difficult thing, but mm -hmm. that, that all that strength, you know, they didn't have a lot of strength probably left after fighting so hard yeah. for life. Yeah. Um, yeah. The letter to the church in Philadelphia was one of the only two letters to the seven churches where there was no rebuke. And, um, you know, obviously they were commended for their having little strength and it's really neat. Jesus claimed them as his own three times in mm. revelation three twelve, mm. And there were several pillars from a Byzantine church there. And in one of the ways that he claimed them was, um, talking about, you know, writing, writing them on the pillar. Mm. So, I mean, even though this was before the Byzantine church, but I'm sure there were lots of pillars there right. before that as so well. After reading revelations as many times as we did, one thing that really stood out was, the fact that God over and over and over says, I see your works, mm -hmm. you know, and also too, even though like we kind of bashed those churches, they were going through so much. The fact that God was actually sending them a letter yeah. says that God saw something that, it, you know, things could turn around. Right. And we know that this, the, the gospel did not die right. with those churches, even though there are not churches there mm -hmm. anymore. We, we are professing Christians, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are, we are changed by what these people did. They yes. sent the, the gospel into the far reaches of the world. And that's mm -hmm. why we're benefiting from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it was just simply incredible being in, in where the gospel was, you know, spread. Yeah, totally. The next day we got to visit Colossae and I was truly inspired there. Um, so here's the irony. There's a tell, you know, like a mound, um, and it's completely unexcavated. Um, like mm -hmm. there's not one thing that you could see there other than just a hill where, where Colossae was. And you could see like random pits where treasure hunters had dug yeah, like looking for, for treasure. Non-professional archaeologists yes. that would just go and dig a little bit, but... Um, you know, Colossae was the site of a main trade route and it was a road that connected several of the ancient cities that we did visit. Um, so the gospel probably arrived in Colossae from Paul's preaching at Ephesus on his third journey. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's possible that Epaphras, that the evangelist, um, in the Lycus Valley that's uh, mentioned, um, that he heard Paul in Ephesus and then brought it to Colossae. Um, and then also Philemon and his slave, um, Onesimus, uh, Onesimus were probably from Colossae and, um, Paul told him to return there to his master cause the slaves weren't protected without their master. Mm. 
The next church that we went to was Laodicea. Yes. What and Laodicea was incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really lot, lots and lots and lots of Laodicea have has been um, dug up. Well, yeah, I mean, it looks like a lot, but it's really only 20% of the city. Right. But lots comparatively. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And then, and I think they've only been excavating there for 20 years compared to like other places where they've been excavating for a hundred years, yeah. you know? Yeah. So lots of, so that we actually walked in and found where a house church was. Yes. And I, I think in the so we're doing a lot of this off of memory. So yeah. you have to excuse us if we don't cite things correctly. But um, I think Laodicea in, in Revelation, I guess I should have my Bible open, but <laughs> oops, um, where he says, I stand at the door and knock. Uh, that stood out out to me because on this main like uh, road in Laodicea mm-hmm. that's been uncovered, mm-hmm. um, there's a road mm-hmm. and it's and you turn into these houses along this road and I could just see like, maybe God was saying this, that, you know, I, I stand at the door and knock, you know, Laodicea, the, the people were having church inside of houses yeah. and there are about, I think 20 churches. Uh, well, they had uncovered 16, 16. so far. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So 16 churches were uncovered. And so one of the churches w- could be identified by this small cross mm-hmm. um, carved inside the door. That's how we know it's a church or a house church. So the church, they were, lo- I mean, there was so many Christians in this city, massive, uh, a massive uh, uh, population of Christians yeah. were here having church, but yet God says, you know, you have been, get, you're lukewarm. Right. So they're having church, yeah. but they're lukewarm. Yeah. And it was neat to see about, like, learn about the symbols of conversion and identity. Like Adam talked about, yeah. there were crosses everywhere and, you know, menorahs and Jews who had converted to Christianity would, you know, there was a menorah, but then they would put a cross on top of it. Right. Well, to mark if they were Jew, mm-hmm. they would they would put outside their shops, they would put a menorah. Mm-hmm. But then if you were maybe not so wealthy, they would just scratch out the menorah and put a cross over the top of it. Well, if they converted to Christianity. Right. If, they, if they converted, yeah. And um, we also saw the original Christian symbol on the floor outside of the house church, um, yeah. indicating that it was a church. And it's, it's interesting. That was actually, of all the 16 churches found in Laodicea so far, that's the only house church that they have found. Mm-hmm. Um, so could it be Nymphesis Church in Colossians 4.15? Very well could be. We don't know. I mean, it could be. Um, we also saw several shops with um, the menorah, the cross, and, um, you know, it was neat to see just the symbolism, I think, was really, it stood out to me there. Um there was also a huge theater there with shops outside the theater um, and many of them Christian. And Pastor Walker, one of the speakers that, um, you know, taught on our trip, shared that in Rome, which possibly the same here as well, Christians were often tortured or killed at the theater and the family was forced to watch. And so if they showed overt signs of grief, they were also taken into the theater for torture. Well, they would know that they were Christians. Yes. If they showed lots of sign of grief. So they would have to hold it together until they walked outside the theater to the shops where often a Christian shop owner would take them in and hold them and let them cry and grieve. While other Christians filed in and blocked those grieving yeah. people from view. 
It just shows you the place that we, that we could have to, you know, help grieving people. Like, yeah. It shows you like the heart. And it's, talk about business as ministry too, mm, right? Yeah. Like they were, they're in business as shops, but they were also ministering. Right. You knew that, you know, that that was a strategic thing for those people. It's probably mm-hmm. expensive to have a shop yeah. so close to the arena and yet they would do it so that they could protect their brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. who were grieving, who were going to show um, signs of grief, watching people be brutally murdered inside of the Coliseum or right. inside of the, the theater. Uh, the theater. Yeah. Laodicea was clearly a very rich city. Um, it had a, some main industries there like black wool, banking, medical, um, specifically there was a store that was, um, they had like a powder for eyes and ears, a, mm-hmm. a salve that was used. Um, and in 6080, there was an, inch, there was an earthquake that occurred and it damaged the cities in the Lycus Valley and Rome offered to help them all like fund them to rebuild the city. But Laodicea was so wealthy that they didn't accept Rome's help. Um, so it was neat. We got to see the names of wealthy people carved into the Agora pillars, indicating that they funded, you know, part of the rebuilding of the city. Well, because of there's lots of volcanic and well, lots of earthquakes yes. there. So it would knock the city down and mm-hmm. the wealth, the wealthy would just rebuild. And despite its wealth, Jesus called Laodicea poor among other rebukes. You know, he mm-hmm. called them lukewarm. They were practicing Christianity, but their spirit was cold. They were poor. They were blind. Um, and Jesus used language that they surely understood, you know, they had hot and cold water flowing into the city, making it lukewarm. They had expertise in healing eye diseases. So he was using language that was familiar to them. Um, he had no commendations for Laodicea, um, but he definitely had hope of their repentance or he wouldn't have written this letter to them. Because not every church got a letter. Right. I think that's, that, that stands out to me. God actually had hope for that church. Mm -hmm. who knows they could have really received that letter from God and said, or from Jesus and said, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's return back. Let's, let's do right. And he said, and I love when pastor Walker told us this, he said that he loved them, Mm -hmm. you know, even though he had all these rebukes for them, he told them he loved them and he stands at the door and knocks. Mm -hmm. So it's still an open invitation. Even if there are lots of rebukes, Mm -hmm. he rebukes you because he loves you. Yeah. He rebukes out of love. Yeah. So we went to um, Hierapolis that day as well. We won't talk a whole lot about that. It was neat though, walking through like the graveyard at Hierapolis mm-hmm. and then seeing the salt. Uh, what what do they call them? Salt. Um, Not sure. Like, um, Can't remember. I don't know. Baths. There were salt baths and also like, I don't know. I forget what they call them. But, um, you know, Colossians briefly mentions Hierapolis when Paul says that Epaphras, the evangelist, greets them. Um, but yeah, it was really neat to see, um, you know, the, the white, I think it was like mineral hot springs, Mm -hmm. but it was calcified. So Mm -hmm. it was really, really pretty. That was a neat, very interesting, interesting place. Yes. (laughs) That's for sure. Look it up. Like amazingly huge salt crystals that are calcium deposits that turn white Mm -hmm. and it looks like snow in in the desert. (laughs) The next and last place. Oh my goodness, we're going to go over an hour. Yeah, we are. But it's okay because this is the best. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesus was incredible. That was the last church that we visited. Yeah, Ephesus uh, has been restored um, for the last hundred 
something years. I don't know if the restoration has been it's been that been long. worked on though. Yeah, like, excavated for that long. Yeah, I can't remember. It's it's been yeah, a long, 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 long years, time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Ephesus is incredible. It was spectacular. It really was amazing. And just to know that Paul preached there for two plus years, three years, um, you know, and that John walked those same roads. It was such an inspiring yeah. experience. Standing in the library mm -hmm. and then walking from there into the Agora where um, the people, when they remember, shout, shouted, it was all planned, right? Like shouted, great is the, great is the God Great is Diana, Diana, the Ephesians, yeah. yeah. And uh, where they would have went out of the Agora, which was the, the common selling place, the mm -hmm. marketplace, and where they would have funneled out and very clearly what road they would have taken. Um, very yeah. close, just a stone's throw away. I could have thrown a stone yeah. and, and went into that theater. The theater sat, uh, I believe, 20,000. Yeah. And 20, or 25,000, 25, I think. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember. But a lot. It was really amazing singing inside of that uh theater yes um just just incredible to to imagine okay we're standing where this all took place and we sang how great is our god yeah well i couldn't <laughs> think of any other song i just everybody was being super shy i was like okay you know this muslim country needs some some jesus it was cool. The acoustics were neat there too. It was. Um, and something that stood out to me there is that Paul used wisdom in his apologetic. Yep. You know, he had made friends with the students and teachers in that area. And, you know, it was those friends, the Asiarchs, Asiarchs um, in Acts 19 that actually protected him, right? When that riot happened right. in the street, pouring into the theater, you know. The, they knew that they were going to try to kill Paul if he went in. Yeah. So they protected him. And so clearly he had used wisdom in connecting with non-Christians, you know? Yeah. And we're just reflecting, um, like, what were those conversations like? Yeah. Brother Walker was kind of musing, you know, like, Paul must have had some sort of commonality. Maybe they weren't Christians. Mm -hmm. I, I would assume they would have called them Christians if, if they were, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But... um formed friendships deep enough where they protected Paul from certain death. Mm -hmm. So it's just really interesting like what a friendship can do, yeah. and especially friendship in high places. Right. Yeah. And we got to see the houses of the Senator and mm -hmm. um, lots of fascinating insights yeah. going through the houses. Um, but just to think, you know, this was the town where Paul laid his hands on people and they received the Holy ghost speaking in tongues, Acts 19, you know, they were baptized in Jesus name um, the synagogue there hasn't been found yet, but only a fraction of the city has been excavated. It looks like an entire city. Yeah. Um, but as we left the theater, we walked down um, the port road where Paul and John and perhaps Mary, if John had Mary there, um, they all walked down that road. Yeah, which is lined by uh, pillars, mm -hmm. which um, where they would have held torches because um, Ephesus was a port city where lots of goods were brought in. Mm -hmm. And um, when God says, you know, I will remove your lampstand, he's talking about that's, that's their, he's talking about their economy. Yeah. So the lamps were used at night when people were bringing in goods from the ships. Mm -hmm. um, they would have hung, you know, the torches. Well, God was saying, you know, if you don't turn back to me, I'm going to remove your yeah. The lampstands. He said, if you don't repent and return to your first works, yep. I'll remove your lampstands. They ignored his warning and 
sure enough, the river began to bring silt into the harbor. And over time, the ships couldn't get to the dock because of the mud. So they stopped using Ephesus for shipping, which that was their main industry. And that's how Ephesus lost its lampstands. Yes. So, and it became a not port. You know, right. It was landlocked. And now the ocean's what, like five miles? It's, it's far away. I think it was four um, yeah. But. So that since there's no ships, there's no lampstands and, um, they chose their incessant work over repentance. So, mm. so that is uh pretty much our trip. Yes. And then we closed out at Miletus. Oh I, yeah. Yes. I, I loved Miletus. That was incredible. Um, after all that, I was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to go to another place. <laughs> but then we went to Miletus, which was a, um, another actually very well preserved, uh, theater. Yeah. And, uh, it was really neat because lots of it was still standing in these gigantic, um, like underneath the theater, gigantic tunnels that would lead mm-hmm. you into the theater. And I got, I guess I had a moment there it was really interesting, you know, cause everybody kind of spanned out, you know, spread out and we're just kind of exploring cause it was mm-hmm. very empty and nobody was there. And it was like, Oh my goodness, I just want to go explore these, mm-hmm. this place. It's w- was incredible. But um, on our way in, our tour guide pointed um, to these uh, cages mm-hmm. that were built into the the walls under underneath the stadium, mm-hmm. and he's like, "This is where Christians would have been kept for killing, yeah. um, where they would have faced gladiators yeah. in in the in the auditorium, you know, at, to the shouts of the crowd." And uh, I just I went back and sat on the steps on the edge of the, the, the theater in a tunnel mm-hmm. um, and just looking down this sunlit passageway or kind of barely sunlit passageway mm-hmm. and just thinking of like, this is where people lay down their lives for their belief that Jesus Christ rose from the dead yeah. and they're willing to sacrifice everything for it. Mm-hmm. And what's so sobering too is when the parents would be killed. The kids would be sold into slavery. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't just end with them dying. It wasn't just a closed chapter. Okay, we're done. But can you imagine that the risk, the worry for standing up for what you know and what you believe is true? Mm-hmm. And um, just an encouragement to you, like stand up for what you believe yeah. is true. And if and if you're struggling and doubting, doubt toward faith. Right. Look into the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um because it's founded on his, history. It's yeah. it's historically sound. Yep. So, so this was quite fitting that we did our farewell here, the end mm-hmm. of our trip, because that's where Paul gave his farewell to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He told them, you know, I'm not going to go into Ephesus. I want you to come out here to Miletus. And um, he said goodbye to them. And it was a really emotional goodbye that he had. I mean, there were tears. Um, and it was really touching to hear Dr. King and Pastor Walker discuss um, Paul's farewell speech there from the perspective of pastoral transition and to feel the emotions involved. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, really special. Um, also the last words that Paul spoke there before he prayed for them is he told them, quoting Jesus, he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And boy, boy, did they. Right. So I hope this encourages you. Um, maybe a little bit of Bible, a little bit of history and a little bit of, uh, 
poke mm-hmm. to go and travel <laughs> and go learn. It's so yes. inspiring. So the last of the three items, how to make this happen in your own marriage, we will be quick and practical. Um, we've already talked about saving for travels. You know, in our case, we saved um, as a, a missions fund, not for the the learning part of the seven churches of Asia or the um, vacation part of it, but we saved um, for, you know, the Sicily part. And, you know, that has been, um, a, you know, a blessing for us and, you know, we're blessed to be a blessing. So save, whether it's to serve or to learn, have separate accounts for both of those. And that's how we've done this, you know, having an account to serve through missions and then an account that we save for, um, you know, going to travel and learn. And so save, um, even if you don't feel like you can save for a couple years out, you know, our first trip for saving, um, was we had only been married for like three years and we, um, you know, I think we were making just above minimum wage, but we said we want to travel. And this was a year into our marriage that we said this. So we saved for two years. And then on our third anniversary, it took us two years. <laughs> yeah. We got to go to England and, um, learn and, and experience. And so save, have a separate account. Don't just put it in a general savings account, have a separate account for it. Um, another tip is to balance your travels. If you have kids, balance your travels with the family, with kids and then alone. Yeah, I think, uh, so we were inspired to do this, um, from somebody we met actually in Israel that did a lot of guiding in Israel and took their kids for years and years and years and gave us some tips like, Hey, look, your kids will love it to have all these experiences. So mm-hmm. we kind of sucked it up. Yep. <laughs> And took the kids and we've actually been taking the kids for a while, even though uh, they're young, but they've seen a lot now and it's, it's really neat to have those pictures and have those memories and, and we um, don't take them every time. And that's, that speaks to the balance that we want to emphasize here. You know, like sometimes you're going to take them by yourselves and it's going to be exhausting and amazing all at once. Sometimes you're going to take them with some help. We've done that several times where we take um, one of my sisters or we take my parents. And mm-hmm. for this particular trip, we couldn't have done it without my parents. Um, especially when you're serving, you yeah. often need help to bring the kiddos along. But it's worth it. Um, if you saw our Instagram post um, while we were in Sicily, Adeline prayed like her first serious prayer. I mean, we pray every day with the kids, but this was her genuinely praying, seeking the Lord. And just as tears came down her face, it was so fulfilling, cute, precious to have her experience this missions trip and to connect with the little girls there. Well, she was praying for the missionary's daughter, Roberta. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, and now they've formed a little friendship. Um, even though they don't speak a lick of each other's language. Well, they're um, learning. They're learning. Yeah. <laughs> they could say hi. Forrest says, Forrest says, hi, chow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Adeline, 4.30 this morning comes into our room. Mommy. I'm like, yes. And she's like, is Roberta at school? Cause she knows Roberta goes to school while she's sleeping. <laughs> Go back to bed. <laughs> oh man. So, um, oh. so I hope this, uh, I hope this was fun. Yes. Entertaining. 
Yeah, we want to we want to encourage you and prod you save schedule, um, get family on board. They will gladly go with you and just budget that in, you know, like they will they'll gladly go with you. Um, it, it's worth it. And it is inspiring. Um, we on the on the way home made a list of all the places we want to go to next, both to learn and to serve. And um, it's, it's quite a list. It's quite a list and it's special, you know, it, it, um, Gottman talks about shared meaning and how that helps you stay connected, helps you stay married and traveling gives you shared meaning and purpose. Yeah. Cause when you're looking at each other for faults, you can find them, but when you're looking out and serving together, you know, you can, you can get over faults, yes. but, but working on those strengths is really where you shine. Totally. So we want to hear about your travels too. We are going to post some of our photos from the trip um, on Instagram this week while this episode airs. And if you can come on over, comment on the photos and share with us if you've been to some of these places and yeah. what you learned as well. We love you guys. You guys are epic. And really you are the ones that have enabled us to do these mission trips. Yes. So we have so much thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts toward all of you. Amen. All right. Until next time. <laughs>